All right, the game of life, it's, it's really not a game. Uh, it's pretty serious business, but if we take life too seriously, you know, um, it's just not going to be any fun, I don't think. Uh, last, uh, two weeks ago, we talked about the fact that we were created to work. You know, at the beginning of the game, you've got to choose a career or you choose to go to college. And so uh, I chose to start a career, everybody else in that video that you just saw. No. Did you go to college? I, Leela, did you go to college? Okay, okay. The two oldest didn't go to college and the two youngest went to college. Anyway, um, we saw from Scripture that, that we were created to work, that God created man and put him in the garden to what? To work it, to cultivate it. Um, it's in the text. Work is not uh, a bad four-letter word. It's a good four-letter word. Uh, it's a good thing to work. It's a blessing to work. And in fact, Scripture tells us that if we don't work, we shouldn't eat. So uh, work is good. And then last week, we, uh, we had a little bit of fun with it. At the beginning, we talked about marriage. And uh, we talked about how men are, are different than women, how we're, we're designed differently, created differently. Um, I, I heard from several men who, who got lots of mileage out of the nothing box uh, concept. You know, um, Mark Gunger has this thing, and it's just really funny, and, and it's true, uh, you know, men, we, we try to spend as much time in our nothing box as we can. Um, it's good to spend time in there, actually. Women should try it more often. Um, today, we're talking about children. Uh, in fact, the title of the message is, It's Twins. Uh, you can see, let's see, it's clearer back over there on our, uh, on our game, uh, our game uh, deal on the, on the board. And uh, I, I picked... Uh, not identical twins, but maternal twins. Actually, it could be both. We looked it up. It's maternal, paternal, or there's one other one. Anyway, it can be two of those at the same time. So I'm, I'm going to take these kids and I'm going to put them in back here in the, the tractor because, you know, a wagon being pulled behind a tractor is much safer than the back seat of a Mini Cooper, which that one doesn't have one. I need uh, three volunteers this morning. Uh, I need somebody from the uh, Hatch family, uh, the youngest Hatch. Um, thank you for volunteering. Um, let's see here. I need another kid. Uh, Jill. Needens. I, I'm sorry. Honold. Ah, Cindlia. I was going to have Jill do it, but I come on up here, Leah. And um, one more. Um, yeah, Mackenzie Vaughn, come up here. <laughs> come on. Come on. Come up here. All right, I have here a gift certificate to Pleasant Valley Greenhouse for a family to play miniature golf. Okay? Um, so I want you guys to... Yeah, you're like, what's going on? What am I going to do? So in the game of life, you spin a spinner. And so let's, let's start with you, McKenzie. You spin the spinner. Highest number wins. Today's prize. A 10. All right, you got to beat or tie a 10. Leah, go ahead, and, go ahead and spin. Oh, nine. So close, but not going to do it. Two. 
There you go. Take your family out for, uh, for some miniature golf. We, uh, we played the indoor one yesterday. They should have the outdoor one up and going soon. I, it may already be up and going. Um, I have played that one before. It's a lot of fun. There was a father who asked his daughter for a phone book. She laughed, called him a dinosaur, and handed him her iPhone. So, the spider is dead, the iPhone is broke, and his daughter is now furious. Okay, tough crowd this morning. Uh, There was a child at dinner, and he asked his dad, are caterpillars good to eat? And his dad said, no, why would you ask a question like that? And the child says, well, there was one, was one in your salad, but it's gone now. (laughs) Ah, okay, all right, all right. Let's try this one. On the first day of school, a first grader handed his teacher a note from his mother. The note read, the opinions expressed by this child are not necessarily those of his parents. <laughs> if you want to know something about a family, have a conversation with one of the younger children in the family and they will tell you. Uh, being a bus driver, you know that... Um, or a school teacher, I'm sure it happens to school teachers. The other crazy thing that happens with young people, and this includes teenagers, is you can be a teacher, it's been a long time since this happened to me, but you can be a teacher in a classroom, the adult present, and they'll just carry on, have all sorts of conversations, telling, telling each other all sorts of stuff with no clue that you're hearing and gathering all of this information, which is especially good for, for someone who is a math teacher and... Dean of students, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, children, kids, I mean, out of the mouth of babes, we say, and sometimes they're brutally honest. Um, sometimes it can be embarrassing, in fact, but, but what a gift children are. Uh, I want to first speak this morning to those of us who are listening today who are parents, okay? You are, you are a parent. Turn with me, if you would, to Psalm 127. So turn to the book of Psalms, chapter 127. And I'm going to begin reading in verse 3. And you might put, I don't know if you have a A bookmark, you might put that in that spot so that you can come back to it later because we're going to come back to this chapter in Psalm. Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. So let's stop there. So point number one this morning, my first observation as I've thought about this incredibly huge topic of children is that children are a blessing. Children are a gift and blessing from God. This uh, chapter mentions that that, uh, blessed is the man who has a quiver full of them. Now, some of you listening this morning have a much fuller quiver than others, Um. You know, for whatever reason, you, you really like children, um, I think that's great. I mean, I know several people who have six uh, or more, and uh, it's interesting how some people 
think, uh, or they make light or jokes about how many children a family might have, and they obviously take that personally. What a blessing. Scripture says it's a blessing. Children are a heritage. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. Um, Some quivers are empty. You know, I want to acknowledge this morning that, that sometimes it's a difficult thing to stand up here and preach about a particular subject because you know there are people out there who, who are not experiencing life like they thought they were going to experience it, like they had hoped they were going to experience it. They want to have children, but for whatever reason, they're unable to have children. And maybe they've gone to great lengths to have their own children. And and the Lord has not granted them that wish and that hope. Uh, I know parents who have adopted children. They couldn't have children of their own, and so they adopted children of their own. They are their children, adopted into their family with all full rights of one who was naturally born. Now, sometimes we also, I I also want to acknowledge, as I know we have parents here, and it seems the fuller the quiver, the, the more this is true, sometimes taking care of these kids that we are blessed with um, and, and are supposed to be a gift to us can feel sometimes like a heavy burden. Now, we wouldn't use that word. We would never say that our children are a burden, but, um, you know, let's maybe use the word draining, right? Raising children, um, I would say, suggest that even sometimes when you're the youngest, especially if you're the youngest, having older siblings can be draining. Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> You know, because we were created for relationship. It's in the design of God. We were created for relationship. Whether that relationship is with a spouse or siblings or, or, uh, or friends or coworkers. So like I've said at the beginning of every sermon, none of you who you're like, well, I don't have kids, so this doesn't apply to me. Wrong. It does apply. Um, there are parents out there who are just blitzed. They're, they, they, they're just trying to get to the end of the day without any visits to the hospital or accidental 911 calls. And, and, and they're finally laying in bed exhausted to, to look forward to the next day to the same. Um, lots of us who maybe don't have that going on in our lives, maybe there are some folks who we know that's going on in their lives and we could say, hey, you know what? How would you like to have the night off as parents? Uh, when, when Pastor Caleb and I did the uh, child care for the, the uh, parenting seminar, you know, I, I noticed there were a couple parents when they walked out of the room were thinking, good luck, you know, our kids are crazy. We had, we had a great time. And um, I've also heard uh, grandparents say, uh, <laughs> Uh, after a weekend of keeping their grandkids, I sure know why God gives young people children and not old people. You know, it does take uh, a lot of energy. It just does. And, and children are a great responsibility, aren't they? Um, as parents, it is our God-given responsibility to train them up in the way that they should go. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 through 9 says this, These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts first, and then I want you to impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them to, uh, on your foreheads. 
Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Parents, we, we have to take the opportunities that God gives us to instruct and train our children in the way that they would go. That's, that's in, in Scripture. Uh, and that can be a daunting task. We, we must instruct them in God's word and train them to apply it every day in their lives. You know, it doesn't matter how old they are. Um, we can simplify certain passages of scripture or stories. That's one of the reasons why uh, it's important that our kids know Bible stories is so that later in life they can, they can uh, consciously then begin to apply the principles that God uh, is communicating us, to us through those stories and apply them in their life on a daily basis. Paul describes it this way in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Uh, just honest show of hands. I don't care how old you are. At some point in your life, were you ever exasperated by your, your father or your mother? Raise your hand. Come on now, everybody's got to raise their hand, right? I mean, our, our parents aren't perfect, and you younger kids, you need to realize this. Your parents are not perfect. They're doing and following God as best as they can, and sometimes they make a decision that later on they may wish they had not. It's happened to me. Um, I don't have prophetic visions of, of what's going to happen in the future. <laughs> um, I, I'm, I'm, and, and parents, don't be afraid to call somebody and ask. We were having a, well, for lack of a better term, a knockdown drag out between me and my oldest. She was in the fifth grade. Actually, I think she was in the sixth grade. This was a middle school thing. And, and the two of us, when we would butt heads, our, our body temperatures would go up, our faces would turn red, and, and there wasn't anything good that was going to come out of the next 10 or 15 minutes. It just wasn't. So when this happened, we learned it's better for us to step back, take about 10 or 15 minutes, sort of get our breath, get some sense of, of you know, intelligence back into our, our minds, and then have a conversation about this. Well, this was one of those instances where even, even then it wasn't going wasn't gonna to go over well. She, she had been invited to a, a girl party by eighth graders. And at this particular time, we were being very careful with what our children were watching on television. So we asked, well, they're going to be watching movies. What movies are they going to watch? So she called and found out. And I said, well, if they're going to show those movies, you're not going to go. Oh, my word. Right? Sixth grader, eighth graders. Her life is over. As she knows it right then in that moment. And, and I, I, I wanted to make the right decision. I wanted to do the right thing. So I called my brother, Dennis, actually, who's coming to speak in a couple weeks. I said, man, I need help. I don't know what to do. And, and he said, uh, and I quote, because this was one of those caring, emotional moments that was burned into my mind. In a box, of course, not touching any other boxes, but it was burned into my mind. He said, David, your job as a parent is not to be their friend, but to be the parent. And if this is uh, what you have deemed necessary in training your child in the way that they should go, then that's the decision that you make. <sighs> it's horribly hard. So 
So children, you also need to understand that when your parents make decisions for you, which we are given responsibility by God to do, oftentimes it's, it's not just an easy decision. Though my children would say, before you answer me, if you could just think about it for a little bit. So I tried. I tried to do that. I tried to think about it for a little bit before I... Once in a while, my mind has changed. Well, there was that one time. Anyway. um, Let me give you a couple examples of what it looks like maybe to train your children in the way that they should go. One of the things that we can do is when we see something, we're driving down the road or we're walking through a park or whatever, and we see something that is not right... Um, that we say something about that, that that's not right, and say why that's not right. That is one of the ways in which we live life with our children, and we, and we, because see, if you don't say anything about that, and they see that, they're going to make the assumption that maybe that's okay, and then they go on down the road assuming that that's okay. Uh, you go to a movie that has a questionable something in it. Uh, seriously, we can't, unless we just don't watch anything, there's always going to be something that needs to be tackled when we watch something with our children. We need to tackle it. We need to talk about it. We need to make sure that our children are comfortable coming to us and asking us honest questions about no matter what. And I could give you lots of examples, and I will refrain to embarrass my children about them um, because they do watch this uh, on a weekly basis, but, but our, our children have, have come to us and asked us unbelievably transparent, somewhat embarrassing questions about life, biology, um, all of those other things. But that is the culture that we, we tried to nurture in our home. No question um, is, is dumb. Um, and, and we got some pretty... Some, some of those that you just went, oh, okay. Whew. Like that Andy Griffith where the two boys find the baby. Anybody familiar with that episode? And, and, and they're try- they don't want the baby to go into the foster care system and they're trying to find a parent. But all of these parents think they're actually asking about sex. And, and, and so they're just trying to come up with all of these answers until they finally find out that that's... They were going to answer something that wasn't being asked yet, but uh, anyway. Um, We need to have conversations with our middle school and and senior high students after youth group about what they learned. Now, I know more often than not you say, they get home and you say, hey, how was youth group? It was good. It was fine. What'd you learn? Oh, nothing. Right? That's that's the pat answer. How many times, Mackenzie, have you made that answer when you come home from, from youth group? Or even school? What'd you guys learn today? Oh, nothing. Wait, you just spent eight hours in a school building and you didn't learn anything? What are we doing? That's not true. You, of course, learned something. So kids, just as a heads up, if your parents start asking you what you learned at youth group or, or something like that, maybe you should come up with something. You know, sh- at least share about what Pastor Caleb or Pastor Michael or whatever grade age you are here this morning, uh, what did he teach on? I think you can remember for 20 minutes what he taught on. Now, 
The same can be said, children, when you get home today after church. (laughs) Hey, mom, hey, dad, what'd you learn in church today? (laughs) Right? I mean, it's only fair that the shoe is on both feet. Um, Help them memorize Bible verses. Memorize them with them. Um, Talk to your kids about what, uh, share your testimony with your kids. Have you ever done that? Have you ever told your kids how you came to receive Christ as your Savior? Have you ever had that conversation with them? Why not? Do. Talk about that. Um, Dads, lead your family in a daily devotion time each day. Ah, but we're so busy. Yeah. Figure it out. I mean, we've got to. We, if we don't teach our kids how to live in this world, the world will teach them how to live in this world, and we don't want that. There's, there's already enough of that going on. Um, you can get these, if you have younger children, there's a, there's a daily devotion called Keys for Kids, K-E-Y-S for Kids. You can actually Google that, go to their website, find, mail it to me, and for the first year you get it for free. They'll mail it to you. Keys for Kids. It's, it's, uh, it has a small Bible reading. It has a little devotion, something that they might run into during school and how to apply that Bible passage to their life. It's, it's great stuff. Um, I think it was like 20 bucks a year for them to send this to you um, after the first year. So that's no, not that big of a deal. And, and we did this for our children. Use the daily bread if you have older kids. Now, granted, I remember sitting at the breakfast table as my dad read through the daily bread every day. Every day. And I remember falling asleep or zoning out or staring out the window and looking at the birds and that sort of thing. But then, but then what happened when I got married and we had kids, then what did, did, did we do? We did our daily bread or keys for kids every day. Who remembers what they had for lunch on November 17th, 2018? Raise your hand. Seriously, you don't? I do. Why? Because the salad is what I have. Oh, salad. I was going to say, wait, that's not fair. That, I mean... They say we only use 10% of our brain. I think you're using 15% of yours, Gail. Five of it is what you ate for the last decade. Um, Here's the thing. You you don't remember maybe even what you had for lunch yesterday, but you still needed lunch yesterday. Do you remember what Pastor David talked about a year ago? Probably not. But did you need possibly what Pastor David talked about, what God had him say for that day, for that week? Probably so. Just because we don't remember doesn't mean it's meaningless or it's not important. We need regular meals regularly, and that's one of these things that a daily devotion can do for you and your family. Um, another thing, I just, just to throw out another advertisement, dads, join us for Forged Gatherings. We, I, I answered a question from someone last week, and uh, just in the conversation as we were visiting after the meeting, it, it was great. That, I'm not sure that question comes up and that conversation happens if we don't gather uh, one Sunday night a month. So, so think about that. Think about what you could learn and what God could teach you through that. Here's a couple of key important verses to live by and to teach your kids. 1 John 1, 9 and 10. Uh, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins 
and purify us from all unrighteousness? If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word has no place in our lives. Our kids need to know what it means to confess sin. We need to know what it means to confess sin. To be honest, to be transparent, and to, to remember and recognize that, that though, though there are times when our kids must be disciplined for doing something wrong, for making a wrong choice, they should never be shamed for it. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, right? Um, God is amazingly forgiving to us. And as parents, if we claim to have not sinned or ever made a mistake, trust me, they will find them out eventually. We need to be honest. We need to, to teach them that confession is good and it's good to be honest. 1 John 2, 9, 10, and 11 So just one chapter after that. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother is still in the darkness. The more and more we live in this culture that we live in, it almost seems like it's okay to hate people. It's it's okay. I mean, why wouldn't you? Uh, Why would you be respectful to somebody who has differing views than you? Why? Why would you do that? Why wouldn't you do that? Should be the question that we ask. Whoever loves his brother lives in the light and there is nothing in him to make him stumble. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. He does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded him. We need to teach our kids how to love. How to biblically love. Not secularly. We need to teach our kids about salvation. I, I don't remember where I heard this. It's not original with me. Uh, but the best gift that we can give our children or our coworkers or our brothers and sisters is our relationship, our own relationship with Jesus Christ. As we live the reality of our relationship with Jesus Christ around those who we work with and play with and, and, and uh, are parenting, they will see it. They will see it and they need to see it. Now, I started this point talking about how tiring and exhausting parenting can be. Uh, So a word to parents here. In light of all that work and energy involved in raising those kids, you need to be sure that you are also investing in some self-care. Someone at the marriage conference told me that that marriage conference was the first time that they'd spent that much time away from their children. It was a weekend. Actually, it wasn't a weekend. It was a Friday evening, Saturday day. Uh, that we need more time away from our children uh, to rest, to recoup, to, 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 to grow and deepen our relationships as husband and wife, as, as mother and father. Uh, too many times are we just one foot in front of the other, get her done, get her done, get her done, get her done, and we don't slow down and stop and say, hey, how are we really doing as a family? How are things going? How are things with us? Is it, uh, do you not do that because you're afraid of what you might find out? Well, it's better to, be a, to, to find out now and begin tackling that than go on down the road even further and find out that 
you have even more work ahead of you. Uh, I love, I loved it when my kids did sports. And did I love it. I loved watching them play. It was a tough day when my daughter, youngest daughter, told me she didn't want to play basketball. I didn't make her. I wanted to, uh, I wanted to watch her play basketball. But her basketball career was not about me. And I needed to remember that. Um, but we, we, we would often sit down and say, okay, our kid wants to do this. What is this actually going to take? Your son comes home and says he wants to play peewee football. And we are tempted to say, sweet, yes, go for it. I want you to be involved in things. But what we need to do is we need to step back and go, what type of time is this going to take for our family for him to do this? How many trips to Torrington? How many Saturdays? Are they ever going to play any games on Sundays? You know, our kids did soccer, and they did soccer as little, little ones, and, but they knew that, you know, they could play on a Sunday if it was after church. But that's just the way it was. Uh, we, we need to count the cost sometimes when we're thinking about uh, how involved our kids can be because as Pastor Ty said one time, we need to make sure that we are not sacrificing our marriage relationship on the altar of our children. We need to be good together so that our children are in a stable home. So when the, the apple cart does get tossed over, and it will, it's going to blow a wheel or whatever so that we're healthy enough to, to be able to tackle that. And, and thankfully, God's word is a, a place where we can continue to go back to to be regrounded in his word. It reminds us what in our lives matters most. It points us to the good and the beautiful that's around. And uh, our children are one of the most beautiful gifts that we can have in this life. Their silly laughter should actually be contagious. We can be productive but we also need to, to pause along the way to be present. Uh, one person I read said that, that what worked for her was to flip her perspective of her children and the more she was grateful for her children, the less her frustration was when they did something wrong or added a gray hair to their head uh, because that happens. Yes, children are a gift. Now I want to look at a passage that talks to children. Okay, often parents apply this passage only to their children. But we are all children, right? So um, some of you who are older here this morning, you even still have your parents. Some of us do not. So turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6 if you're not there already. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 9, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. And then verse 4, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Number two, children, obey your parents. Children, you are charged, no matter what your age is, to first obey your parents. I mean, it's pretty simple. They ask you to do something or they tell you to do something and you, you go do it. Now, if, obviously, if that's contrary to the word of God, I'm, I'm trusting that I am, 
I'm talking to you as one who has parents who, who love you and, and are doing their best to raise you. Uh, we have a lot of opportunities to, to, to obey our parents through the years. And, and this doesn't stop when we become adults either. Uh, it, sometimes it can be hard as an adult child to maybe listen to or obey. I wouldn't use that term with my kids anymore. I don't. I, I give them wisdom and hope that they would trust it and follow it, but it's up to them to make that decision as an adult and as one who stands now before God personally and individually. Uh, but kids, what, whatever our age may be, obeying our parents in the Lord, it says, for this is right. Uh, and, and parents, again, we need, to, we need to parent in a way that lends itself to our children being able to respect and honor us even if they don't like the decisions that we made. Uh, we must parent sacrificially, parent with patience and forgiveness, with love and mercy. We must discipline, yes, discipline even though it's hard, but make it appropriate. And parents, of course, need to develop responsibility uh, in their children, and with that responsibility comes freedom, and with more freedom comes more responsibility. And kids, you need to understand that when you break that trust, it's going to take a while for that trust to be built back up again. That happened with our, I'm picking on my oldest, because she's an adult now, she can handle it. Well, the other two are too. <laughs> Sorry, Brittany. Uh, she, was, she was having trouble with her language usage, and uh, we uh, she, we also caught her in a few lies here and there as far as where she was when she, where she said she was going to be. So what do you think happened? What do you think her parents did? Uh, the reins got pulled in a lot and she didn't like it. In fact, one day she was so frustrated that she said, um, why can't you just trust me? I, and my answer to that was, well, so are you going to tell me when I can trust you and when I can't trust you? So I go with the times when you say, well, you can trust me on this, but then there are these other things that you're going to let me know that I can't trust you, so then I'm going to say no to those things. See, that's not how it works. It, you, you, when you are found to have been trustworthy, then I will trust you again. I mean, it just takes time. And, and oftentimes it takes a lot more time to build that trust back up than it did to break it. As kids, we need to know that. Uh, we need to remember that when we're thinking about or making a decision as to being obedient to our parents or not. Uh, Paul also exhorts us to honor our parents. Now, that doesn't mean agree with them all the time. And, and I recognize just as we have parents who want to have children who don't, we also have children who have parents who, who are not very nice, who are one maybe not very loving and, and, and respectful and honorable to the children, but this, there's no qualifiers in this verse. God says that we are to honor our parents and we can honor them for bringing us into the world. Uh, if you need something basic to, to show respect and honor to your parents for, it's giving you life. And, and maybe you just start there. 
maybe, you know, it's a, I, I know we haven't all seen eye to eye and, you know, you know, I have all of these things and, and you haven't been very trustworthy yourself, but I just, today, I just wanted to thank you for giving me life. Thank you. It's hard. I, I know there's, there's lots of, lots of different things that uh, can be uh, combined into these things that I'm talking about. Ask God to help you forgive. Ask for strength to honor your mother and your father. And Paul says this command comes with a promise, right? So that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. I don't know about you, but uh, of course, I, I love my dad. He was amazing and, and honorable and a man of integrity and all of those things. Um, but I can tell you this, uh, my, my life was a lot more enjoyable when I was in good relationship with my dad. There was a lot more peace in my life when I knew there wasn't something that I had done wrong and he might find out about it. Uh, we need to clear the air. We need to be honest. Uh, we need to respect uh, mutual trust and respect. And it grows over time and it takes efforts on both sides, parents and children. So just evaluate where your relationship is with your parents, kids, no matter what age you are. Think about it. Have you told your parents that you love them lately? No matter what age you are. Because there are some of us who wish we had that opportunity one more time or a couple times, and I know life is just life. But if you have your parents, consider telling them that you love them. And, and God takes his commands to honor our parents seriously. Look at what he says here in Deuteronomy 27, 16. Cursed is he who dishonors his father or mother, and all the people shall say, amen. Whoa, wow. Something to think about. Children are a gift, and as children we are commanded to obey and honor our parents. Now there was a young child, I love this one, there was a young child asked a woman how old she was. She answered, 39 and holding. The child thought for a moment, then he said, and how old would you be if you let go? <laughs> uh, you know you're no longer a kid when just one peanut butter and jelly sandwich doesn't do it anymore. Or you're driving, uh, driving a car doesn't always sound fun. Or the average 10-year-old doesn't have a clue who Bo and Luke Duke or Herbie the Love Bug are. Right? You know you're no longer a kid when you have friends who have kids. Or you have former youth group kids who have kids. Uh, that's, uh, you would rather wear your dirty clothes again because mom is not there to do your laundry anymore. I'll just turn them inside out. They'll be fine. Uh, you know you're, you're old when naps are good. Or when things go wrong, you can't just yell, do over. Oh, wouldn't that be great? Uh, you know you're old when the only thing in your cereal box is cereal. Your idea of fun parties now includes chips and salsa and Snapple. You leave concerts and ball games early to beat the crowd. Uh, you know you're old when you want clothes for Christmas. You know you're old when you look in the surveillance camera monitor at the convenience store, wonder who that guy is standing at the counter with the bald spot, and then realize it is a shot of you from behind. 
Or have you ever looked at a person, you know, you hadn't seen him in a while, you looked at him and, and you walk away going, man, he's gotten really old. And then you realize he's the same age as you. <laughs> yeah, how do I look to everybody else? Um, what, what about when we are older and all of our kids are grown up or, or what if we don't have any kids? Maybe you're married and you chose not to have children or you, you have been unable to have children or maybe, maybe you're single and, and we have a lot of single people uh, with us here today. How do these passages apply then to you today? So turn back to the Psalm 127 and I want to point something out that the Lord really put on my heart this week for you. Psalm 127, unless, starting in verse 1, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. If, if the Lord is not your priority in life, the number one, it's, it's all meaningless. It's, it's toil that, that, that is in vain. So we start there. The Lord is our first priority. We can and must trust him for all things. Then, children, I know I already read this, but, but listen to it again. Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring, a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponent, opponents in court. Here's the thing that struck me the most this week. I've already said it. I don't know if you caught it. But everybody in this room, everybody, nobody is exempt. Every person watching this online are children. You are somebody's child. And this says that you are a heritage from the Lord. The Lord gave you to your parents. All that you have done in life, helped others, grown in maturity yourself, maybe raising your own children, working to make planet Earth a better place, providing for others, con conducting yourself with honor and integrity, that is a heritage of God that God gave your parents. You are a heritage that was given to your parents by the Lord. Now, I, I want you to say this out loud. I want you to say these words. I am a heritage from the Lord. Say it out loud. Do you believe it? Do you believe that? Because that's what God says you are. You were given to your parents. I don't care where that relationship is today. You were given to your parents as a heritage. A gift. You were a gift. Now, I, I realize that uh, some of us maybe have abused that gift a little bit and we're the reason there are some gray hairs on the heads of our parents, but we need to remember that doesn't change the fact that you were a heritage given to your parents. Psalm 139, 13 and 14, uh, King David said, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know this full well. You are a work of God, created and knitted in your mother's womb, and you are wonderful. 
There's a sign. It might still be there, in fact. I haven't been in this building in a long time, but it was posted outside one of the locker room doors in the gym of the old middle school over in Fort Laramie. I think it was actually the girls' locker room. I'm sure it was true for the boys as well. Anybody remember what that sign said? Mike? You are okay. God does not make junk. Truth. Wish we could post that in our high schools today. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. God's character and his image was woven into you. You are a heritage. I just really felt like you all needed to hear that today. Now, I'm not telling you that to, 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 for you to well up in some sense of pride. I'm telling you that so that you can understand how God has valued your life. He died for you, for you. Children are a gift. We're commanded to obey and honor our parents. You are a heritage from the Lord to your parents. And finally, this morning, your parents were blessed by you. Now, it may be the case where they didn't realize the blessing that God had given them, but that doesn't change the fact that your parents were blessed by you. God rewarded your parents with you. I, I didn't watch this. I, saw, I watched the highlights, which was actually the whole race because it's not a very long race, but uh, I read this this morning. A little horse named Medina Spirit that was bought for just $1,000 just won the Kentucky Derby yesterday. He didn't know, I added this, he didn't know that the world said he was too small and too inexpensive. His trainer believed in him. His jockey believed in him. He just wasn't going to let another horse pass him. And he didn't. If you watch that replay, there's a horse coming. Oh, nope, nope, nope. He gets up and he goes a little bit faster. See, there's some that might say you're not valuable, that you're not worth much, but that's a lie. I don't care who you are listening today. That is an outright lie. You need to remember what God says. He made you, he created you in his image, and he gave you to your parents as a, as a heritage and as a gift. And then when all of us screw it up with sin, our heavenly father gave his son to us as a savior. The only way that it could happen. God, David, King David, he was an adulterer. He was a murderer. In our culture, sometimes we, we think those people are, they've sort of given up their right to live. How did God refer to King David. It was the apple of his eye. You are a reward. You are a heritage. You are a gift to your parents from God. We're all in process. King David was, yet he reminds us, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. God created you in his image. He knit you together in your mother's womb. 
and he saved you. See how very much 1 John 3, 1 says, our father loves us for he calls us as his children and that is what we are. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for this word from you, this encouragement that we can walk out of here today knowing that regardless of where our relationship with it is with, with our parents, regardless to, to, to whether we have children ourselves, regardless of whether our parents are living today, we are a gift. We are a heritage given by you to our parents. Help us, Lord Jesus, to know that, to believe that, to live that way. And then to love others in that same way as those who've been created in your image. In Jesus' name, amen.